Welcome listeners to the 27th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards. With me as always are my wonderful co-hosts, the powerful wizards Robertson Sien and Christopher Wikström. The very best of welcome to you, dear listeners. Hello, friends. Hello, everybody. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In today's episode, we will go a bit shorter due to the fact that we have some audio problems and computer hiccups. Our wizard, Christopher, doesn't even have his computer, the poor sod. But what we will do is that we will talk a lot about Christopher because it so happens that last Sunday, Christopher's wife, Sheila, in conspiracy with myself, with Robin and great local hero, Ander, we threw a surprise birthday feast for Christopher. As Christopher's 30th birthday was nullified by COVID last year, Sheila made sure that 31st birthday was a fucking blast. Christopher, tell us what happened. So yeah, last year when I turned 30, the world had a lot of <laughs> a lot of poison counters on it. So it was uh, not the safest place to, you know, uh, celebrate 30 with a lot of friends or so. So I, I kept it extremely minimal. I think it was mainly just uh, me and my wife, uh, the famous Sheila, the cons- the conspirator or whatever the, whatever you call it. But this year, uh, she and all of these fine gentlemen here and local hero Ander threw together a surprise party where they had, they had rented a restaurant and we had a small Swiss tournament with uh, a lot of like, yeah, some some local people just playing a lot of legacy and it was just such such a good time you know seeing a lot of people although we have opened you know our our lgs uh, we found a new lgs a lot of these people i still haven't met since covid hit and so it was just like a really good time and uh, yeah i'm super happy about it so um Robin had the task for this evening of helping you with uh, a deck, since this was a surprise party. Of course, uh, your wife couldn't go through your stash and randomly bring a legacy deck to sort of the dinner that you two were going to have. What did Robin sleeve up for Christopher? Tell us, Robin. Well, uh, a, a, couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a really sweet deck in the online dump from uh, the Magic Online user Nukes Tom, And this was like... Uh, 2021 version of uh, the old sweet check pile deck and uh, like giving a little bit of history during the 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 drs era christopher was playing check pile quite a bit and we had some epic battles when i was on delver and he was on like the little bigger delver with more greedy cards so this was a, a extremely like greedy pile uh, which was right up christopher's alley in my opinion i will give a quick rundown it's uh, and I, I should say I made a few, few changes from the original list, but this is what I sleeved up for him. So four Baleful Strixes, three Snapcaster Mage, and one Plague Engineer. Three Teferi Time Raveler, two Jace the Mind Sculptor. Four Brainstorm, one, uh, three Inquisition of Kozilek, four Ponder, three Prismatic Ending, three Swords of Plowshares, three Expressive Iteration, three Hymn to Torak, and four Force of Wills. And then 20 Lands, and it, I think it was like 10, no, 8 duels and 10 fetches and something like that. It was... There was there was a lot of duels. I'm gonna... I'm gonna <laughs> well, when you have said what the sideboard consisted of, I will say what I almost could do with my mana, which was <laughs> super impressive. But yeah, it was a, it was a super cool deck. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it felt like a real Delver killer. But uh, I'll go into what I played. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when I was doing the sideboard, you know... Uh, 
Christopher has this this uh, sort of tradition to to hosting a, a legacy birthday party with the prize for the most spicy deck. And uh, I, I've actually won that prize once when I when I brought a real a real spicy pile to to his home. Hell yeah! So I thought like this this deck is 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 a real deck. It's not a spicy deck. So let's spice it up in the sideboard. So instead of uh, doing a proper sideboard, I made a, a a complete transformational sideboard. So it was four show and tell, four sneak attack, four grizzle daddy, and three emrakul the Yon's thorn. So it was like, take out 15 cards and throw in a complete show-and-tell package. <laughs> and that's where the beauty of the mana kicks in also. Like in, in my game two against the high tide, we had a like super grindy game, you know. I hymn him a bit, he uh, flusters some of my things, uh, like my big payoffs, and we have some important fights. Suddenly I realized that I'm at seven mana and I have two grizzle brands in my hand. And I'm like... Okay, I have fetched enough to know that I have the Underground Seas, Scrubland, and Badlands to cast this. <laughs> I know that I have four black sources. So I was just sitting there, like, hoping to top deck another land, which is super rare when you're at seven. Definitely. It was, uh, it was super spicy. And, like, that's, that's uh, one of the things that I thought was the funniest uh, with this deck. Because, sure, I mean, yeah, there could have been a, a, a quote-unquote real sideboard. But there was so fun, like so much fun to just board in 15 cards. And then, you know, game one, your your opponent is like, oh, I'm playing against this super grindy control deck. And then, you know, game two, for instance, against uh, my first blue-white uh, affinity opponent, I just played lands, played some removal. And then at five, I just fetched played sneak attack and annihilated six him uh, you know and he was just like what just happened <laughs> it's beautiful so it was super funny like uh, yeah when i saw the sideboard uh, first robin was like don't look at the deck just <laughs> shuffle it up and draw seven and then i see you know control cards and i'm like oh yeah this is gonna be sweet then when you know you dig into the sideboard and you're like oh are there going to be wear and tears what spicy cards are going to be in here <laughs> you just see the, some people's hate 15 cards in the whole world like uh, the whole show and tell package and i was like this is so sweet <laughs> and i boarded them in no matter the opponent every game two or three yeah i just jammed them in didn't matter and i think i sat next to i think that was round two as well and you're like so, in my hand, I have a couple of blue cards on my table. I don't have that much blue mana, <laughs> but you look so happy anyway. Yeah, like, uh, I think, yeah, it was against you, Robin. I think I had, uh, I had six blue cards in hand, and I had three duels in <laughs> play or something. I can't remember, but I couldn't cast anything. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. I... And it, it was zero fetches involved. So it was no like, oh, you fetched poorly. No, I just kept the poor hand. And it's on me. I, I think the mana base was quite greedy. But to be honest, the original mana base is even more greedy because he played two va wastelands in this mix <laughs> where you had only yeah. colored mana, right? Yeah, I think the most like hard, hard like the worst land in, in terms of greed was the Mystic Sanctuary, which can be a little bit awkward. Yeah, but it's still, I think it's still pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, it's super sweet. <laughs> it's super, super cool with the uh, expressive iteration late game. Because yeah. then if you, if you draw that and you just get to iteration into a fetch, then you have another iteration. Yep. 
that's super sweet. Since we were in a restaurant that served, uh, uh, you know, exquisite uh, Japanese style food, uh, ramens and had all these special Japanese drinks. It's been a very long time since I played Paper Legacy under the influence, <laughs> so to speak. And I went pretty light. I only went on beer, on bottle, basically. But you guys had uh, Yuzu sparkling wine and uh, plum wine, uh, sparkling water spritzer drinks and, and, you know, all these nice things. How was it for you to play slightly drunk? So when you're looking at these, these drinks, like these Yuzu uh, drinks or... Uh, like umeshu drinks with mineral water added to them, they aren't really that much stronger than a beer. <laughs> and uh, comparing that to like a, a full glass of beer, I think it might even be less alcohol. I, I remember like uh, two, two, three hours into the whole event, I was just starting to bank on alcohol-free uh, like ginger beers because I had like a partial exam in discrete mathematics super early in the morning, like eight eight sharp the next day we knew we didn't care yeah yeah but i was like but i did so i was just starting to bank on those uh but yeah i think that the deck that i played if i would have gone even harder i probably would have performed even better with it so if i would have had like yeah six beers for the dinner i probably would have free owed (laughs) with the (laughs) with the transformational sideboard definitely just calling it I mean, just a sweet sequence, like turn one, like prismatic ending, your threat, turn two, hymn you, turn three, show and tell. That's not the, that's not the like consecutive three turns that you see often. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Like my last opponent of the day was uh, uh, my friend uh, Ander, and he was on high tide. <laughs> and uh, so game, game, <laughs> game two... We've played like he scooped uh, game one because check pile can be extremely nasty. You know, you, you land a Teferi, you get to him the minute of draw step and stuff like that. It's not nice for, for high tide if, if the game goes in that direction. But game two, you know, like I mentioned, I boarded all of the crap in. And I know that the brain freeze plan is not as good now because I, ha- I have three Emrakuls in my deck. So they have to uh, blue sun if or make me draw a card with all of the triggers on the stack. And uh, I didn't tell my like, opponent that I had Emrakuls. He'd seen suddenly like game two, I put a show and tell on the stack and he just has to fluster it or something like that. And he's like, really? Are you, are you kidding me? Like, show and tell is his hate deck. And I was like, okay. So uh, the closest, like the shop is about to close where we're at. And Ander is starting to combo off with high tide, which is just like the worst combination of we have to go and I don't want this to like end. So he does everything. <clears throat> and then the whole sequence ends with, and then I'll cunning wish for brain freeze you. And I was like, I have three Emrakuls in the deck. And he shows my hand and it's only counter spells. He has so much mana, but it's literally only counter spells. So he couldn't get like a draw one to me or something. So it was a nice way to win. But yeah, it was, it's beautiful. Like just hymning into show and tell is, is extremely nasty.
I brought my uh, cloud post deck for this event because I thought it would be proper to swing with the big people uh, when we have a party with such big people uh, in the room. Slightly under the influence, uh, I had this lovely uh, board state against friend of the podcast, Andreas Huberberg, in the second round, because uh, he was on the mono-red uh, painter. And first game, I managed to steal, because he just uh, super... He kept a good hand, but was super stumped on and mana, and just had really unlucky draws. So I could just sort of churn through, basically, with uh, with the power of... I think I had eight eight copies of cloud post in the end on the board and just sort of yeah i'm gonna i have ugin for this and he's okay fine that's that's let's go to game two and i'm thinking this is probably quite a bad matchup for me because i have few ways to interact here i mean i I have the needles in the main i have the the crows and grips in the sideboard and there are things i can do but since this deck plays i mean so many goblin welder goblin engineer type of interactions just destroying his artifacts is sort of not super helpful really and he had this wonderful loop going on with double goblin welder and double goblin engineer on the board and just sort of i had these elvish reclaimers and here comes a primeval titan and he has blood moon in play I hardcast the Primeval Titan, naturally, uh, off of two forests. And I had a needle on Grindstone. So he did this amazing shuffling of sort of putting uh, the the Einstein Bridge on the battlefield, sacrificing it to replace it with the Soul Guide Lantern, exile the thing that you just tried to do with your graveyard for your reclaimers. A lot of back and forth. And I just like, there are, I'm trying to find angles through which to beat through here because he has such amazing defenses and he has defenses that are versatile sort of in versatile in the way that he will interact and stop with what i'm trying to do because he has so many different angles that he could work with but what happens in the end is i and the blood moon in play all the time so i can't really do anything i have all these great cloud posts and i have in play and you know but that doesn't matter but in the end my board state is then again i have primeval titan i have made a marit lager i have double elvish reclaimers and the needle and i have 10 lands nine of which are then effectively mountains and i have three different type of cards in my graveyard i have three cards and i draw my emrakul the promised end hard cast it <laughs> take his turn and use it to with sort of shuffling the soul guide lantern back and forth between his battlefield and graveyard graveyard i managed to exile all of his ensnaring bridges <laughs> <laughs> and all the it's other beautiful. sort of relevant cards and he's, i think he could have sort of ripped a carn and, and and sort of replay these from exile perhaps but the thing was, I was under the influence. So doing this thinking of trying to destroy a painter deck with its own tools, never having played painter in my life, was a uh, memorable experience. That's a real convol- convoluted like thing to do, actually. Like getting out of that jail. Yeah, and I think like the board state looked pretty grim for the painter opponent when you did the, the Emrakul thing. Because if I remember right, there was he had like five lands in play. So even if he would rip the Karn, there would be no Ensnaring Bridge. So it, it, it looked pretty great, but it was, you know, super fun to see. And like, uh, Emrakul is not really like that Emrakul. It's not really the the most common thing you see. So whenever I see a Mind Slaver effect, I, I just smack my lips a bit, you know, rub my hands and just lean in because it's like one of my favorite things to observe when someone gets Mind Slaved or Promised End. 
it's just beautiful. I actually won my second game in round one as well uh, through uh, Emrakul the Promised and by taking my opponent's turn and have them kill themselves with the Sylvan Library. Yeah. Robin, what did tell tell the listeners about what you played? I sleeved up my eight cast deck, which I'm putting together. I'm still a couple of cards short from the actual list. So, um, I mean, I in my opinion, eight cast is sort of in this very special place in between a super spicy and quite meme deck and a serious competitive deck. <laughs> and like it, it is a competitive deck, but it's also super sweet. Like I'm going to draw a lot of cards and not do very much. And it's very synergistic. So everything has to like work together. But I had um, as a little bit of spice, I, I brought uh, tangled wires in it uh, to have a little bit more of a stacks plan. Wow. Because of some of the cards that I, I was missing. But I was actually, I was actually feeling a little bit not sure about the the chalices in this deck. I mean, it, it's it, it's a deck that can play chalices, of course, but chalice is is quite fragile these days. And I was uh, really missing removal. I was facing off against the Hullbreacher, for example, which shut off like the complete deck. Even the baubles are shut off because Hullbreacher is so stern in his in his uh, textbook. Chains Junior. Exactly. So there, there's no like little clause that you can draw during your opponent's turn. You cannot draw a second card at all. So and like it would be cool to play a card like Lightning Bolt or something like that in this deck. But maybe you have to rearrange a little bit in the mana base if you do that, and maybe you slow down too much and uh, you lose some of the artifact synergies, of course. So I will do some testing, see how if you can fit uh, just a couple of removal spells in this deck, just to to get rid of some of the hate creatures out there. Couldn't you try and go searching for some type of fringe artifact removal card? Like Mortar Pod, but good. Galvanic uh, Blast, is that the one that saw modern play? Metalcraft for damage. I was thinking something that's colorless, but... Uh... Yeah, the, there is... It, it's not really colorless because you need the red to activate it, but... Pi- Pirit Spellbomb is a card that has seen a little bit of play in lands, and it works well in a Ursa shell, because you can find it of Ursa, the Ursa search trigger. And it deals just two damage, so it's, I mean, it kills some things, but not all things, so I think I would just try Lightning Bolt if I try removal and see how it goes, but maybe the mana base is not really supportive of more red cards, I'm not sure. But then again, if you... Oh, you're right, the deck, the deck plays red to begin with, because otherwise I was thinking, why not try and splash for a sword supply shares? But that might be stretching things too far, I don't know. Yeah, or or, or Prismatic Ending would be really cool, mm, because that you can play with Chalice. Not bad, not bad. I, I mean, I had some had some fun games in total. I played a full three matches, or not a full, three matches. I played three matches, and with the Clubhouse deck, I faced off sort of some four-color mid-range, uh, which uh, felt like uh, playing against Bant, which is sort of, you steamroll pretty much uh, with Clubhost. And then the complete steal uh, against uh, Monred Painter, because I thought I was really going to lose that game match, but I won 2-0, uh, but it was, I mean, again, a steal. And then I drew in my third round against Blue-White Affinity, which is also a deck I really never played against, and also I think is a really bad matchup, because first game is just complete steamroll here are all my constructs they are 10 tens and they fly with and they have nettle assist and uh, and then the second game i managed to win by hard casting ulamog the turn after my opponent costs armageddon <laughs> and i was like what the actual fuck 
Armageddon. I'm, I'm sitting there, all my manas. I'm like, mm, I'm so fat. This is great. But I managed to double swing with the Ulamog and deck my opponent, who was, and I was dead on board the following turn. So, and then uh, we had to close shop because the rest was closing. But uh, my point here was that I had very unusual games all evening under the influence and with a deck that I haven't had that many reps with. And this combination of, uh, you know, things was something I would very much like to do again. (laughs) (laughs) I had a fantastic time. Well, you went undefeated. Undefeated. I finished second in the very sort of uh, stumped uh, standings. Um, Only one player went uh, 3-0 in the three rounds we managed to play. Uh, Of course, uh, Mega Champion. Second to the card market champion. That's quite all right. It's a pretty... hard person to beat in general but yeah i i i like i mentioned i played a sweet spicy uh, check pile deck with a transformational sideboard and you know it's a it can be quite sensitive to a certain type of deck and so i played blue white affinity in round one and then i played eight cast and i think both of those are really tricky to play against if you're not having like if you don't have call against commands or something like that and it's still pretty tricky anyways, even if you do have a call against commands. But it was it was super sweet. Like I did I did get to I, I did get the scoop in disgust against the high tide opponent, and that's uh, that's all I need sometimes. <laughs> it's your birthday. <laughs> and that is actually all we have for this week. Slightly shorter episode due to logistics and stuff. If you want to help this podcast grow, uh, please tell a friend of it. If you want to reach out to us, a great way is to join the Discord server. You can find uh, a link in the episode information. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Stockholm Legacy, uh, S-T-H-L-M Legacy. We are present personally on some social media as well. Robin, where can listeners find you? You can find me on Facebook or you can find me on the Discord server. You can find me on uh, at MonolithMTG on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at DiscoDrogo. And that is the end of the 27th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. and Christopher Wikström. Happy birthday, Christopher. A warm thank you, listeners, for coming this way. And thank you to the great Frenes who has written our music. You can check them out on Spotify. Until next time, remember that the sunset is warmest at Blue Light Yokohama.